Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Philip Hayde. Philip co-founded Public in 2008 to disrupt the way companies, charities, governments, and consumers or citizens think about public engagement and doing good. Driven by a passion to prove that profit and purpose must go hand-in-hand to generate large-scale social impact, he set out to build a hybrid company, part marketing agency, part accelerator, that creates social impact through public engagement, fundraising, advocacy, and volunteer engagement programs, campaigns, and businesses. As CEO, he's responsible for overseeing the strategic and creative growth of the business. Philip is a columnist for Fast Company and the Financial Post, writing on Profit with Purpose. Public's clients and partners include Under Armour, Maple Leaf Foods, Kruger, CIBC, Choice Hotels, Meridian, Credit Union, Public Health Agency of Canada, Lyft Philanthropy Partners, and Partners for Mental Health. So welcome to the podcast, Phil. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So what drew you to create this very unusual business model that you have? Uh, well, other than sheer madness, because uh, <laughs> we uh, started the company with my business partner, Paul, back in 2008, literally two weeks after uh, Lehman Brothers collapsed and the world was falling apart. So that's why it's just sheer madness. But, wow. um, you know, what, what led us was really um, this notion that the, the way in which people thought about doing good, right, giving back to community and society, in our minds needed to be disrupted. And what I mean by that is, we felt that um, the charity mindset and model, while it's absolutely terrific because at its heart is about that that notion of philanthropy, right, the love of human kindness. But the challenge with it is that we saw that it didn't scale. So we would all give money. We all give our time. We feel good about it. But when you looked at the total amount of money that was generated for worthwhile and important causes in community, it didn't add up to enough. And so when we talk about disruption, we felt that, and this was the reason for creating public, if we were really serious about trying to up the level of civic engagement, right, public engagement in the world, we had to stop trying to tell people to do the right things. And we needed to find them in their everyday lives and unlock an opportunity for them to do something where there was something in it for them and for the company and for the cause. And so to do that, we felt like you can't just tell companies they should give from the goodness of their heart because that's what the corporate social responsibility mindset was about and it doesn't scale. So we felt that the disruption was about saying, how do we actually bring the profit motive and the social purpose motive together where the two, when they're working in concert, actually creates more impact and more business benefit? And that was sort of the birth of the idea for public 
to say, you know, let's move beyond the charity model, let's move beyond the corporate social responsibility model, and let's move to a model where people can truly profit by doing good. So really you're uh, focused on social enterprises, or is it even beyond that? It is beyond that. I mean, we kind of look at it as a spectrum. So we're really focused on how do you how do you mobilize people to take action that will create positive outcome in community? And so that can that can happen from a corporate. So we're you know, we work with companies to try to help them and move them along the spectrum. So for some, it's about who are still sort of really entrenched in the corporate social responsibility model, we're saying, well, let us at least help you be more strategic about how you do that so that what you're not measuring is how much money you gave to community. What you're really measuring and thinking about and strategizing is what's the impact you want to have in community, right? How do you cut food insecurity by half, right? How do you reduce youth homelessness by, right, a quarter, like whatever that metric is, so we work with companies from the kind of being more impactful on their CSR all the way to how do you actually embed social purpose at the heart of your business and how do you actually orient your business accordingly? So it's a, that's a big, big spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, on the nonprofit side, it's thinking about, well, how do you continue to try to achieve your mission, but in a way in which we can also generate revenue directly core to mission so that you're not kind of again, separating money from the mission side, right? You know, because a lot of charities will create the gala dinners and the walks and the runs and so on. But though, and those are all in support of um, the work that they do, but they're not integrated. Hmm. So we work with with nonprofits on that as well. Great. Uh, Define CSR for us. So CSR is corporate social responsibility. Okay. Right. And that and, and what we challenge with it is CSR, if you listen to Michael Porter, right, who Harvard professor who created this idea of shared value, Mm -hmm. he sort of describes it as if you think about the shift that's happened. Originally, it was just companies giving money, right, to charities, writing big checks. And they did that because they did all kinds of terrible things in the world. And then, you know, they needed to do some good. So they would write a bunch of checks. And that was sort of the first wave of philanthropy. And then the second wave was they said, well, maybe we should be more strategic with it. And so they started to create foundations and they would say, well, we give to health and the environment and kids and so on. Um, But it was always still with this lens of the mitigation of harm, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our business runs over here and then we're going to try to reduce harm. And And corporate social responsibility came out of that. And so it became a little bit more integrated with the business, but it was still seen as a cost of the business and part of what you do to be a good corporate citizen. So it was still about trying to mitigate or reduce harm. And what we're talking about and trying to shift out of the CSR, the corporate social responsibility lens to what we call profit with purpose or other people might call shared value is about thinking and helping companies and nonprofits think about how do you actually create value? Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you create value where you're really actually materially changing something for the better and you do that in a sustainable way uh, and in a profitable way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're very much um, really talking about how impact, how people have impact outside of their companies and that being a major part of the work that they're doing in the world. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I would say inside and outside the company, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the things that we're trying to challenge is that, you know, as the world continues to evolve, and I would say as the consumer and the citizen start to become much more one and the same, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because 
up until this point, um, you know, the shift, that's what the shift that we're seeing, that you think about yourself as a consumer and a citizen, right? You, those, those two things aren't separated the way they once were. And with that, companies can't behave the way they used to, mm-hmm. right? Before, you know, before, uh, you know, the, the sort of the rise of social media where we, you know, now we hear about everything in a nanosecond. But once upon a time, you could really separate these things. So mm-hmm. a company could literally run their business um, and or do some, you know, some uh, questionable practices on one side. And then they could be known as a great corporate citizen on the other. But you, nowadays you can't do that. You're, you're called out in a heartbeat. And so what we're trying to do is get companies to realize, given that reality and also given the fact that you've got this millennial group, who's going to be 75% of the workforce in the next 10 to 15 years and their expectations of how a company behaves is so different. You can't separate these things anymore. So how you behave on the inside and how you behave on the outside actually have to be one. Uh, And so you have to look at all of your practices. And we believe that social purpose is part of just how you do business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're very much um, speaking to my heart around that. You're approaching it from a larger business perspective. I approach it from the entrepreneurial side. So how did this desire to have impact to be for you yourselves to, to yourself to be an agent of positive change through this work that you're doing, how did that evolve for you? Is that something that's always been a thread in your work or is this kind of a recent thing for you? No, you know, it's, it's always been uh, a thread in my, in my work. I, I, uh, I think my mother, uh, for setting me on the path, you know, growing <laughs> up, she was, um, she still is, she's a psychologist and, and, she would always say, you know, we'd sit around the dinner table and, and she, there was sort of a very common thread in all of our discussions, uh, which was, you know, figure out what you're passionate about in life. Right? Figure, out, figure out how you can contribute and, and, and pour your energies there. And if you do that, the money will come. Right. It doesn't mean you're going to get rich, but it means, you know, you will be able to sustain yourself. And so I've always had this sort of. Um, social purpose, social impact kind of thread um, from my days as a as a kid in in you know elementary, uh, more I guess junior high and high school organizing was very active, involved socially, politically, um, not really in a p- partisan way, but it's always been with me. And all of my career choices have been about thinking about the public good and the public sector and how you move issues forward. So this is just sort of the latest incarnation of that where. To me, I sort of had this interesting kind of epiphany about how business needs to behave about over well, over a decade ago um, and really felt that there was a future coming that was very different than the way it looked, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, and that led to the, you know, to the creation of public. But it's really been an evolution of my own personal desire to create impact and to be a, you know, to truly be a change agent and that belief that anybody can, can be a change agent. Mm. Uh, it's just about how you focus your energy and your passions and your, and your time and your creativity and your smarts. Right. Well, to expand on that a little bit, one of the things I've been talking with people about in these interviews is how their values have come into play in the businesses that and organizations that they've created. So just to build on that a little bit, are there particular things that you find that your values are coming into how you operate your business? Uh, yeah, every day. I mean, it, it's, it's um, you know, to what I was saying a few minutes ago, I'm a big believer that you can't you can't sort of separate your values and your beliefs to you from your business practices. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't think that that is a um, effective long-term approach 
to being successful. And when I say successful, I don't just mean financially. I mean, however you define success. Um, and you know, I believe in sort of, you know, really being your authentic self. And so for me, um, you know, I say, I say this to my, to my team all the time. I, I believe we have to bring our, ourselves to work, our one self, right? Not a, not our work face. And then, you know, you've kind of got your, you know, your home life and that, and that kind of person. And then you bring your work person to the office. And I, and I always sort of say, and I joke as well, I said, it's too, it's too exhausting for me to think about having two selves, right? I, right. I you know, to me, <laughs> I could just bring who I am. And so much of my wife's horror, um, you know, <laughs> how I am at home is how I am at the office. And I try to permission that with all of our staff as well, which is just bring your true self. You know, we have a, you know, a cast where, you know, 30 people at the company, you know, we have a, a cast of misfits and all amazing, terrific people. But I really believe that you need to bring your who and what you are and why you are to work every day. And so we try to live those values in everything that we do. You know, we try to live values of courage and honesty and curiosity, right? I mean, we try to live those in everything that we do, not to suggest that we don't fail, that we don't um, sometimes um, contradict ourselves because we're human. But I, I just believe, you know, um, it's so important that the things that you hold important and value and dear to you have to be how you operate in business, um, despite the fact that there's some people who won't operate that way. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I believe that that those values are at the heart of the impact that you have, whether consciously or unconsciously, it ends mm -hmm. up being the, the reflected in the impact that you have. So what, what are the some, what are the most important ways that you impact your clients then in, in the work that you do with them? You say you're part marketing agency. How does, mm -hmm. how do those two come together? Yeah. So I think that the, maybe one of the, the things that we do best for our clients um, is really help them think about how to create social impact. So, and what I mean by that is, um, what we observe, because we, we're a full service uh, marketing agency, right? And so um, what you often find with a lot of marketing agencies and ad agencies who play in the social issue space is it's a lot of social issue advertising, right? You see awareness for, you know, this cause and that cause. What we're trying to bring to our clients and what we do bring is something different, which is we don't start with what's the ad, right? What's the What's the neat tactic to to um, you know to to create some some awareness or some noise? Quite the opposite. We actually start with what is the impact that we want to create in the world, and not because you're going to do it alone, but actually more importantly, you know, as a business or as a nonprofit, you know, we say, look out ten years from now. How does you know how does an issue that you care deeply about, and if they don't know what that issue is, we help them define that. How does it look materially different? Right. We start there. And then and then from that um, and we and we set a metric around it. So it can't just be I want to you know, we want less, you know, less poverty in the world. No, it has to be if you believe that your focus is going to be on um, reducing or ridding chronic poverty in, in the cities in which you you operate, then let's actually put a metric on what that looks like. How would you reduce poverty by X? Right. Mm -hmm. And then from that is to say, OK, well, where are we today versus where you'd like to get to? And then, and so yet you actually understand what the delta is. What's the gap between where we are, where we want to get to? And then the next question, of course, is well, what what does that ecosystem of that issue look like? Meaning, who is playing in this issue? 
government, nonprofit, right, for profit, how and who are playing there and what are they doing? And then why that's so important is it's really important as an organization to figure out where you want to play on the issue, where you're really bringing added value. So because if you're just duplicating the efforts of somebody else, it's just a waste of time. So you want to figure out where you can play in a way that's really added value that can be that's differentiated for your business or for your organization um, and where you can materially move the, the needle on the issue. And then once you figure out kind of where and how to play, then the question is, of course, well, where do you start and what are the set of actions you want to drive and outcomes you want to create on the path towards that long term impact? And so we bring a real strategic kind of consultancy lens to thinking about that work. And once we've mapped all of that out and we've actually got a plan that will help if it's a business for them to create real meaningful impact in community and then also how they can actually make money doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if you're a nonprofit, how you can actually generate revenue against that that social impact, um, then we can actually execute it because we're a marketing agency. So then we can actually execute all the consumer facing, right, citizen facing type activities, you know, around promotion and engagement. But we're very, very um, action and engagement oriented because if you're actually in the business of creating outcomes, then you need people to do stuff. You can't just make them aware about an issue. You have to get them to engage and do something. So that's that's probably more than anything what we bring to our clients is to really think strategically and um, critically about an issue in a way where they can make real material impact and then do it in a sustainable way that will be good for the business, good for the community, and good for the individual. Well, I love that. You've really outlined your whole process in that way. And it's one of the things that intrigued me about what you said was that you help companies define the issue they want to get behind. And I, I'm, that surprised me because I would have thought that they would not necessarily reach out to a company like yours if, unless they had something specific in mind. Or do they just feel like they want to contribute something? They just need to be foc- more focused in that. It, it really, it really does range. So in some cases, um, they know what issue they want to work on. So we, we did some work with a big food uh, company called Maple Leaf Foods, and they knew that they wanted to play, and they were, they had played in the whole area of food insecurity. And so, but they didn't know how and where to play. And so, in that case, what we did is we actually helped map for them where to play, how to play, what's their, right, what is going to be their impact, everything that I've just outlined. And so in that case, that, that's what we did. But in other cases, sometimes we work with an organization and they don't know what issue. And so what we do is we do an exercise where we call it kind of painting the corners, where we actually help them figure out what issues should they play in and how should they play on it and why does it make sense for their business um, and so on. And so that's what we've done for actually like a client like Under Armour is actually help them figure out where should their business play on a, on a social issue. And we do that for lots of different businesses and brands. So it really depends on, you know, it really comes down to where is the client at and what are their needs. Um, and some of them are further along the spectrum and know where they want to play and others don't know at all. And then we help them figure that out. Have you found that as your as this work has evolved for you, that you're finding different ways that your time and energy is best used? I'm always interested to hear for the entrepreneur or the leader of an organization how how is that how is that focus come into play so that you're not 
doing everything, you're really getting right. the most benefit out of one thing or best return on your time. What yeah, is that for it, you? It's a great question. I mean, you know, it certainly has evolved. Um, you know, when you're starting out, uh, so when we started out eight years ago, you know, you, you're just happy to be keeping the lights on. Um, right. and you, know, you are truly the, the lead chef and the, and the, and the, you know, you're the, you're the chef and you wash the dishes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, of course it evolves. So I think for me, what's happened over time is a recognition that, um, so, so I should take, I should take one step back. I, I love doing the work. I mean, I absolutely love developing strategy. I love solving problems. I love thinking about how you put ideas out in the world and see how a market, how a, you know, an audience responds to it to create social change and social, you know, social impact and social change. So I, I love it. And I love actually the creative process as well, both in strategy and in creative execution. Like I just, I love when you sort of wrap an idea in a way that gets people to respond and you see the smile on their face or you see the tear in their eye, whatever, whatever their emotional response is. Um, but I know as a, as a entrepreneur and as a business owner that, that, um, if I'm stuck in the weeds of the work, we're never going to grow. Sure. And the, and the desire for growth isn't growth for growth's sake. The desire is actually based on our own mission uh, and vision, which is we want, you know, we, we really want to build a, a social purpose economy. We believe that the future of business lies in this idea of merging profit and purpose. And so our desire for growth is really around how do we um, be the architects and the creators and producers of really large scale social impact programs and campaigns and businesses. And so we need to be playing on a bigger canvas. And so in my own growth, um, you know, really trying to both hire incredible, talented people, um, help develop and train them, also get out of their way. Because uh, you know, I know that if you don't, if you hire great people and you and you man, micromanage them, um, they will not stay. Sure. Uh, and, and nor should they. So um, you know, it is about uh, being much more of a uh, trainer, cheerleader, supporter, um, and and really where I'm focusing a lot more of my time is obviously going after on on sort of the business development side, looking for the kinds of clients that want to be courageous, that really believe in this idea of merging profit and purpose, uh, and that and that really want to or are um, using social impact as a, as a driver of their business. So a lot of my time gets focused on both the kind of the sales, the, the business development side, and then also the marketing side, really being a thought leader or trying to be a thought leader uh, and a proselytizer of this idea. And and sort of trying to share as much as we've learned, as much as we're learning, with others, so that um, you know we get more and more people um, doing this kind of work. Mm. I, I liked what you said about building a social purpose economy because that is uh, seems to be the way that things are evolving globally, and uh, as in terms of some kind of social program support from business, and I think it benefits from having business involved in those kinds of programs because it brings a different perspective and and can really expand on what government may be doing and it's certainly beneficial for the companies so um, mm-hmm. yeah are, are there in this process of the the way that your business has evolved is there a, can you think of an obstacle or a problem that popped up for you that uh could have interfered with the impact that you have that you were able to move through i always think it's helpful to hear 
well, here's somebody who's got a successful business, but it's not all this smooth, <laughs> trouble-free um, right. progress. It's really about working through things effectively. So it's it's people get real inspiration from that. Is there a situation you can think of? Oh, sure. I mean, sure. Uh, how, how long is this podcast? I mean, I have, <laughs> you know, it, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, failure. Um, and in that, you know, you have to uh, try things and you have to be really open to them not working and then learning from that to make it better the next time. Right. I mean, that is the scientific process. And I think so often in business, you know, and particularly in the social issue realm, nobody wants to talk about about the things that don't work. And yet those are the, obviously the, the best learning lessons. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, honestly, we face still so many barriers every single day with our business. I mean, I, sometimes I, I sort of joke that I feel like this business exists and continues to grow just out of sheer will more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because we are trying to continue to push water up a hill. We are, uh, you know, championing an idea that that the market isn't completely ready for Mm -hmm. now the market is much more ready for this you know this idea of profit with purpose today than it was eight years ago when we first started Um, but we're still nowhere close to it right still the vast majority of businesses believe that you just you run your business and then you need to be you know to greater and less degrees a good corporate citizen so you carve out some money and you give it to charities and community and of course, we're talking about something quite different than that. So when you ask me this question, which is a terrific one, I mean, we're facing barriers every day about trying to both convince um, clients and potential clients that social purpose could actually drive their business. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you always you face the chicken and the egg. You know, how do you convince somebody to go there when you don't have a proof point for them? Right. I can point to examples. I can point to the Ben and Jerry's of the world. I can point to the fact that the top five performing brands in the Unilever portfolio all have social purpose baked at the heart and are growing at a 30% um, rate of growth um, greater than all the other brands, right? Although the uh, conscious capitalism movement has really gathered some data around this and it, it's, it, it may still be hard for businesses to take in, but there's actually hard data to support that having this larger vision for your company is beneficial financially too. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Um, but, and there's, and there's lots of data today, more than there ever has been, but it's still on a relative basis. If you look at how most businesses operate, they're still not operating that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that partly it's inertia. It's just, you know, it's hard to move people along. Partly it's a leadership question, right. That mm-hmm. you have, what we have found is that, the companies in particular that we work with where they really embrace this generally is because the CEO, he or she, um, at their heart just knows that this is the right way forward. Right. Uh, and believe that they can have, you know, they can have both a very successful business and create really meaningful impact. Um, but, you know, so there's absolutely there is good data to prove it. But as you know, I mean, people buy on emotion. They don't buy on reason. They backfill on reason. Mm-hmm. But we're we're emotional creatures and we buy and, and because the norm hasn't shifted yet, despite the data that exists, we're st- so we're still kind of living in a bit of the corporate social responsibility world and this sort of purpose economy world. We kind of have a foot in both camps, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the barriers that we face are to a convince, you know, clients or potential clients um, about doing it, you know, behaving differently, thinking about your marketing efforts 
and using social purpose, but in a really meaningful way, not just a, hey, let's slap a charity on it and talk about how we're giving some money to a good cause. Because I think, I think that's the old way. And I yes. actually think, it, I think we, it, it risks, not always, but it risks breeding a certain level of cynicism amongst consumers where they feel like you're just trying to, yeah. you know, make yourself look good through a charity, which is not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge barrier that we face every day. Um, and to greater and lesser degrees, we've been able to push ourselves and work through that. I think where we've had the most success, quite frankly, is when we work with a company where their, or their orientation is already to believe that they want to, that they can have both material community impact and, and have business benefit through it and with it. Um, so that's, it's a, it's a really, really big challenge. And, and the other one, which I don't think is specific to the work that we do, I think it's just true across the board, which is, you know, it's very hard to get people to be courageous, to try net new things where you can't show them the data that it's going to work, right? You can, you can build the argument for why you believe it'll be right, mm-hmm. why you think, and, and show them how you can de-risk, right? De-risk it to a certain extent, but ultimately it's a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a big part of our work because we believe that Part of it is not just doing the tried and true, especially when you're trying to build, you know, a different type of economy. There isn't there isn't a roadmap. Um, and so a lot of this is trial and error. But having the courage to do it and to do it differently and not do just what the industry norm is. Uh, and of course, the, the win is that if you do it and it works, you really stand out and you have an opportunity to really um, accelerate your business. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be a complete abject failure, um, but you're going to learn a whole lot and it's going to make it better the next time. But you need, again, a certain orientation of person to really buy into that. And a lot of cultures don't support that type of uh, courageous act. Right. They want to know that it's worked, prove to me that it's, you know, it's, it's happened a bunch of times and then, and then I'll do it. Yeah. It's a more cautious kind of approach. Whereas, I mean, you're, you're being courageous, to, courageous too, in the way that you're choosing to really step into this new realm and uh, and create awareness of the benefits of this kind of approach too. There's a, there's a courage in that as well. I appreciate that. I mean, I think so. And we do talk a lot about it at the company with our, with our team about, about how we need to live that, that it is one of our values and how do we live, you know, and how do we act courageous? And it doesn't mean it's not blind courage, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's about taking calculated risks. It's sure. about, being really thoughtful, but we, but you have to be, I mean, I don't think we can ask our clients um, to be courageous if we're not willing to do it ourselves. Yeah. I just don't think you have the credibility or authenticity if you're asking people. And so we, you know, you mentioned at the outset, but we, you know, we have this thing called an accelerator where we have a couple of our own initiatives that we've created where there's no client. Um, and that is about us saying we see ourselves as social change agents. So we have ideas that we want to put in the world and we'll, and we'll create them. And, you know, and we've done that. We've had a bunch of failures, but a couple of really interesting workplace wellness initiatives, one called sit kicker, which is about trying to get people to use a stand up desk. And we've actually got a cardboard stand up desk and a whole program associated, but you know, we put in our own money into that. Um, and so when we talk to clients about resources, right. And investing their time and trying something that new, we can actually point to things that we have done uh, where we put in our own money and our own time 
Um, and what we find that that does is it gives us an opportunity. When we're talking to our clients about trying that new, right? Having the courage to do something that hasn't necessarily been done before or hasn't been done in this particular way. And so when they ask you, well, you know, and, and we're asking them to invest in that idea, not just to do it, but to actually put money on the table. The fact that we can actually point to things that we are doing currently and have done, um, I think gives us a level of credibility that we're not just saying it, right? It's one thing just to say to someone, oh, you should be courageous, you should do this. But then you look at them and you think, well, you've never done that, right? So it's easier to say not to do, but I feel that part of what gives us the ability to keep sort of forging a path, you know, forward is we are doing it. Um, and we live it and we know it's really hard, right? We know it's hard to put net new ideas in the world. We know it's hard to change and, or adapt, I should say, and tweak people's behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. We know that creating social impact and change is not an easy thing. And so the more I think that we can really live that experience with our clients and the things that we do ourselves and bring a real honesty and authenticity to it, I think it just makes the work and the relationships better. I agree. Is is there one piece of if you if you had one piece of advice or insight that you would share with another business owner who's wanting to have more impact themselves to be a positive influence in the world? What would you what was the what's the one thing you would share with them? Um for me I think it's uh really just get going, right? Like just, you know, begin anywhere. Um you know, obviously I believe a lot in strategy and figuring out where you want to play and how you want to play and so on. But I think probably the reason I start there is because I feel that so often there's so much inertia around people's willingness just to take that leap and do something. And so even if it's not the best the first time, even if it's not, you look back and think, gosh, I wouldn't have done that and I wouldn't have done this, right? It doesn't matter. Um, there are so many people who talk a good game about what they would do and how they would do it, but they've never done it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I have an immense amount of respect for people who do things, right? Seth Godin talks about shipping it, right? right. Putting it out in the world. Yeah. I, I believe in that. I really believe, you know, the people who do, who create, the makers, um, it, I think it brings a certain level of humility and, and honesty, uh, self-reflection, uh, because, because you, you know, you put it out there and the market will respond or they won't. And I find that really exciting. So mm -hmm. my advice always is, you know, if you've got an idea, if you believe in it and you're passionate about it, obviously think it through as much as you possibly can. But don't let perfection be the right, be the barrier to doing something and, and trying something. Just go and, and, and make it happen. Mm -hmm. I love that. As an action-oriented person myself, I, uh, I'm, I'm so in agreement with you. And thank you for offering that from your own experience, because it's really powerful to hear that you're you're doing things, you're trying things, and and uh, even being willing to fail in service of finding what is the best way forward. So thank you so much, Phil, for joining us today. I uh, I really appreciate your role as a disruptor <laughs> of uh, bringing profit and social impact together and uh, really helping businesses move in that direction. It's such a powerful uh, way of, of being in the world as a business and, and individually as well. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. I really appreciate what you do in the world. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate being invited onto your podcast and uh, really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Great. Me too. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? 
so, uh, you know, I still use email. So if you want to get in touch via email, it's uh, philip with two L's, P-H-I-L-L-I-P at publicinc.com. On Twitter, it's my handle is at philhade, so P-H-I-L-A-D-I-D. And um, uh, certainly, you know, our website is publicinc.com. Uh, so you can actually get all of our social media handles there as well. Great. Well, thanks again, Phil. I'm really glad to have had uh, this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you. Join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.